<laughs> hey guys! Carl is on vacation. Doesn't he go on vacation a lot? Doesn't work here at all, does he? He doesn't work here at all. No. You with me? All right, you feeling me? <laughs> Hi, Carl. He's, he's, he's watching this right now online. Um, hey, I'm Pastor Tom. Uh, I go to this church. Um, who was at men's camp last week? Woo! Awesome! More of you guys should have been there, but it was awesome. Uh, we were there last week, um, and it was, it was seriously a blessed time with Pastor John Wiley, surfing, playing soccer. My whole body was sore. Uh, my brain was sore, but God showed up, didn't he? He showed up, and he did amazing things. Um, but I have two announcements before we uh, get to it. Um, Operation Christmas Child! I know, I know this number is lower. Okay, I know we, we're reaching that number, but today's the last day, guys. You guys know that. We do have a little bit of grace period. You can drop it off by tomorrow by 2 o'clock. Did I, did I get that right? By 2 o'clock tomorrow, you can bring it up here, which means I got to do some stuff tomorrow. I got some boxes to fill. I procrastinated. Anybody? No, no one's going to admit that. Okay. Um, the other announcement I want to make is Christmas, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving Eve. I am excited because I love Christmas. Uh, oh, my gosh. I do love Christmas. Thanksgiving Eve service. How many guys love the service? Come on. You guys got to fill this place, invite people, because we're going to be worshiping our God, thanking our God. And seriously, I look at Thanksgiving Eve as the start of the holiday season. I go to Thanksgiving Eve service here. It's packed. We're worshiping God. Trevor's just rocking the house. We're worshiping God. And it's just amazing because I'm like going, yes, we get to celebrate our King, the birth of our Savior. um, And this is the start of of it all. So who's going to be there? All of us. I'm trying to be the hype man, but it's not working, guys. It's not working. But um, we're going to talk about wisdom. We're back in James. So I want to start off in prayer. So let's do that. Um, Lord, we come before you right now. And we want to thank you um, for all you've done, Lord. And as we talk about wisdom, as we get back into James, um, we thank you for the way he speaks to us, uh, the way you spoke to him and how he wrote your words down on paper so that we get to read it today. It's powerful words. But, Lord, I think uh, today we're talking about a really huge subject, this thing about wisdom. What kind of wisdom should we use, Lord? And I pray, Father God, for every single heart here, God, that our foundation would be you, that our fear would be in you, that our hope would be in you. Just like how we sang in those, that song we just sang, we set our hope on you. We set it, Lord, because you are the foundation. That's where it begins, Lord. That was, that's where wisdom is going to sprout from. No other source, God. And so, Lord, let us not be on sinking sand. Let everything under our feet be, be a firm foundation that we are setting our feet on the rock that is you, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We're going to be talking about wisdom uh, today, uh, godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. And I looked in the, um, uh, the well, I, I looked online on the online dictionary, and I found this definition of wisdom to be probably the best one I thought to kind of uh, apply to this situation and apply to James. And it says this about wisdom. It says, the ability or result of an uh, ability to think and act, utilizing knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. Okay? So wisdom is us presented with a choice to make, right? We have A or B. And then we get all this information, and we're taking all this stuff in, and then we kind of calculate it in our brain. You guys do that? Does that your brain make that sound? And then we make a decision, right? 
whether it's a, a wise decision or not a wise decision. That's how we, you know, make choices. I mean, how many guys know, have a friend, everyone has this kind of friend, right, that reads something on the internet and then states it to you as fact? Anybody have a friend like that? I have lots of friends. Like some, the other day, some guy goes, don't use sunscreen. It's bad for you. I'm like, sunscreen? Don't use sunscreen while I surf. Like, what? Where, where's your source, you know? So um, you got to make sure where your source is. And um, we make every, every day we, we act upon the information that comes our way, right? All the information that we have about life, about our friends, about, you know, raising children, being married, it all calculates. And, and then we act upon that and we make certain choices. And we need wisdom uh, to make those choices. Now, Today, we're talking about worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. And how many guys know some good worldly wisdom? Like, you know, not all worldly wisdom or human wisdom is bad, but we have, there's these sayings out there. How many guys, let, let's hear some sayings that you know that are kind of like wisdom of the world. Look, be, look, look before you cross the street. That's wise. Anybody else? What's some worldly wisdom that you learned when, as a kid or something? Don't run with scissors. What else? I need some interaction here, guys. Stop, drop, and roll. That's a good one. I still remember that one. I've never had to use that, thank God. Anybody else? What's some worldly wisdom out there? How about, yeah, yeah. Wait, say that really loud because I want to write that down. What? Nice. Nice. How many of you guys know this one? This is kind of an easy one, right? Oh, just go with your feelings. Go with your gut, right? Or, or believe in yourself, okay? Now, these are good, but I believe worldly human wisdom can go o- only so far. Do you guys agree? Because minus God, it's very limited. Worldly wisdom is actually shoddy. It's cheap. It, like, it ends at a certain point. Here's a prime example. Two teenagers in love. Fresh out of puberty, Right? They hook up with someone. They like Facebook. Want to go out? I want to go out. Sure. Okay. Right. They're in love. Right. And they have all these feelings. Right. And the worldly wisdom is go with your feeling. Right. Believe in yourself. Right. So they're in love and like, oh, we feel so good. And, and it's us against the world. In my book, I think those are probably the two stupidest people here on earth, you know, at that time. Right. And if you're a teenager in love, I, I'm, I apologize. But I went through that. I went through those years where I was like, you know, I had this teenage crush or I had infatuation with someone, and I made some poor choices. I made some bad decisions, okay? I learned from my experience. And, you know, it only goes, this worldly wisdom only goes so far. But godly wisdom is so different. Um, In Proverbs 3, um, verse 5, I'm going to read some scriptures here. Sorry if it's not going to be up there. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures, Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. I think this is great because I think a lot of people memorize this verse and they know this verse, but they only know verse 5, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. A lot of Christians know that verse. But when I kept on reading this, it's amazing. Verse 8, if you do this, if you follow God's wisdom, if you follow God's path and, and ask him to go, which choice do I make? 
verse 8 is amazing. It says, then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Doesn't that sound great? That you walk around with healing in your body and strength in your bones because you trusted in the Lord on high. Anybody with me? That is that a great place to be. And I never realized, I'm teaching myself here, in this verse, in this verse that so many Christians read, memorize, and know about, and they only do verse 5. But in verse 8, the promise of God is that he'll give you healing and strength in your bones. I think that's awesome. Um, one of the examples that I love um, is in the book of Daniel. Um, if you read Daniel, the first chapter, there's Daniel, and who are the three other guys? How many guys know your Bible? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Their Jewish names are Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Ezra. And it says this. It says um, they were looking for these wise advisors and stuff. And it says that Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right, as advisors, had ten times more capability, were ten times wiser than the magicians and all the enchanters that the king had. Ten times. It says that right in the Bible. Um, and I love it because it kind of points to another Proverbs verse that I, I love. It says, fear of the Lord is a foundation of wisdom. Uh, knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. That's Proverbs 9.10. And what I want, I want you to know, it says in, in, in Daniel, it says, God gave these four young men, Daniel and all the other, other guys, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of leadership, uh, literature and wisdom. An unusual aptitude. Now, I have to think, in Daniel, it's the Old Testament. I have to believe that God gave them the Holy Spirit and gave them this unusual aptitude. And because of that, they are ten times better than their competitors. They are ten times better than the rest of the guys that didn't worship God. Now, think about that. This is the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit came in the New Testament, right? At Pentecost. Guess who has the Holy Spirit? We do. We have the same Spirit that came upon Daniel and the rest of the boys that gave them the, 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 the aptitude, the unusual aptitude to be ten times better than the rest. Now, I'm kind of telling you guys, going, whoa, that's the promise that God gave us. That's the same Holy Spirit that God is giving us. He'll give us this unusual aptitude to succeed. He will give us this wisdom. And then I, what, what it says here is that this wisdom that falls upon us, it's kind of outside of us. It's this supernatural thing that we can't just muster up in our own humanness, in our own brain, no matter how smart we are. You guys with me? That it's outside of us. I mean, even in Proverbs, um, Solomon writes all the time that wisdom, he refers to wisdom as another person, right? You read Solomon, and in Proverbs it says, um, she, she calls out to you. She's calling out, hey, come. Look for insight. Here I am. I'm calling out to you. Wisdom is calling out to you. And I believe in, that, in, in those scriptures, it's saying the Holy Spirit is calling out to you. The Lord's wisdom is calling out to you. Go, hey, you know what? Listen to me. Take my advice. Follow me. Fear the Lord. Um, and in the promise of James, I know I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you right now, but Going back to James 1, right? Here's the most awesomest thing. Is that even a word, awesomest? I'm going to use it anyway. Here's the most incredible thing, guys. In James chapter 1 says, If any of you lack wisdom, all you need to do is ask. 
And who's going to give it to you? God will, because God is a generous God. Which means this, and here's what I'm saying. If you lack wisdom, if outside of yourself, the situations that are surrounding you are like, I need help right now. I need some advice right now. Outside of you, there's God, and he will give it to you. And all you, all you need to ask is, God, I need your help. I need your wisdom. And he will give you an unusual aptitude to make decisions in life, to go past your feelings. Because you know what? The most, most incredible thing is God knows the bigger picture. You know, we, we have limited vision, but God sees the whole picture, the whole world. So let's go to James. Um, James chapter 3, verse 13. That's where we're at right now. And it says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Verse 14, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and dynamic. Uh, demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there uh, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So let's go back to verse 13. It says, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes uh, from wisdom. And here it kind of reminds me what James was telling us before, that if we have faith in God, if we're asking God for wisdom and we're walking in his ways, Well, you know what? There should be proof in our lives. It says, prove it. And bottom line, he's saying this. If you're wise, if you really claim to be wise, prove it. Or, in other words, you already should have proof. You're walking in this life, and and someone will look at you and go, whoa, God's blessed you. Whoa, you've made some really good decisions there. How many of you guys know some people that you look at them and go, whoa, they led a wise life? Nobody here. Okay. (laughs) I have, an, I have some advice for you. Go to the Saturday night 5 o'clock service. Look at our kapunas. You know what kapuna is? Kapuna is the elders in our church. Um, not the elderly, but my parents. <laughs> not to say they're old. Uh, I watch my parents, my mom and my dad, fear the Lord. And you know what? They have proof in their life that they fear the Lord. Why? Because they made wise decisions. Ralph Moore. I look at him. He's made some wise decisions. Al Kalama. Uncle Al. Um, all those guys. Um, there's another, there's a, I'm going to say her name, but there's a lady on, at Saturday night. And she's just fired up on the Lord. I mean, she just loves the Lord. And she's admitted to me, all, you know what? One day the Lord's going to take me. It might be tomorrow. And I look at her and I go, wow, you have, you have walked a life with wisdom. And loving God. One of the biggest pictures in my brain that's burned in my memory is my grandma who is with Jesus right now. One of the biggest things I learned was to praise God no matter what and in any place. Because I, I remember my grandma standing washing the dishes singing I Magnify. You know, remember that old Hope Chapel I Magnify song, right? I, in her Filipino accent. I Magnify. You know, she's just going at it. And she's washing the dishes. She's praising the Lord. But that's burned in my memory because I'm sitting there, you know, not washing the dishes. Obviously, she's washing them for me. But I'm watching her, my grandma, like in the most simplest task, praising God. I've learned something. That was wisdom to me. Like, I can do anything. I can be anywhere. And I can be praising the Lord. I don't have to be in church. 
I don't have to have a band behind me. I can, I can make my own praise. And that was the one thing my grandma learned me. And so I, I think one of the things that we can learn is from people, we look at their lives, there's proof. And one, one thing I'm saying to you, if you are wise, if you're following God's ways, well, then there should be proof. And maybe this is a time to analyze your own life and go, is there proof? Did I make some wise choices? You know? I mean, what, what did you say to the person that you, you know, it's like uh, when you guys did that interaction thing? You know, one of the, one of the things I said to uh, my friend here is, was the best decision, one of the best decisions I ma- made was to marry my wife, Grace. Thanks, Mom. I mean, she is a wise woman. She loves the Lord. She has a passion for ministry. I, I made a wise choice, and I asked God about that. I sought the Lord in that. You know, for you teenagers in love right now, get on your knees and start praying. Because you need to. You need to be praying for your future spouse. You've got to have wisdom, okay? Okay, I'm going to get off my stool on that one. Um, one of the, uh, I, I heard John Maxwell just recently. How many of you guys know John Maxwell? Great um, speaker and author of leadership. He just teaches people how, um, how to lead. I mean, he talks to big corporations on how to lead, not just churches or Christians. He talks to the secular realm about leadership. And I saw him recently, and here's one of the things he said. Um, he said, you know, he's getting older, <laughs> and he said, you know what? The older I get, I've, I've realized the less I know. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty wise. You know, the older he's getting, the, the, you know, the less confident in the kind of the unsure things in life. He's just like, the, 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 the less I know, the less I know that I don't know. But then he said this. He says, you know what? But the things I am sure of, the things that I am confident in, the older I get, the more confident I am in those facts. That makes sense to you guys? He's saying, I am more confident than I've ever been in the things that are real, that are the truth, that are the foundation in my life. I was like, wow, that is pretty awesome. You know, and we're talking about today, right? And I was kind of in my prayer. I said, you know what, Jesus, I want for all of us our foundation to be you. Because what John Maxwell was saying, he's saying, you know what? All, all that leadership stuff that I know about, all that leadership that I've been telling the world about, about corporations, huge companies, about leadership, I didn't get it from me. I got it from the Bible. And I am more certain about those things than I've ever been. And I love that about John Maxwell. Um, let's keep on going. Let's, let's go back to verse 14. It says, um, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. And he goes pretty harsh here. He says, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and de- demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there, will be, there, will, uh, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So what James is saying right here is there's two qualities of worldly wisdom, Right? There's jealous wisdom, and there's selfish wisdom. And I kind of defined, I kind of made my own definition of what jealous wisdom is. And and I believe jealous wisdom is motivated by seeing what you don't have and wanting the same or better. Would you guys agree? It's kind of looking at someone going, I don't have that, but I want it. I want to be there. And so you're motivated to make decisions in your life. I mean, for example... 
you know, you're looking at someone and they look better than you. They dress better than you. You're like, ah, I want that. Or I want to be better than that. Or I want to look like that. And so you make decisions according to that feeling, right? Uh, money, right? People have more money in the like, I want, I want more money. I want that. So you make the decisions for that. Popularity. I've made those decisions, right? I made decisions in my life when I was young, right? I'm like, I want to be more popular. So I'm going to listen to this type of music, or I'm going to dress this way, or I'm going to act a certain way. I'm going to be funnier. I made these decisions because I wanted friends. I wanted to be like that guy across the street. Um, you look at people's possessions. And in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2, I think they're going to pop it up on the screen. Um, Paul addresses these people who are jealous. They look at each other, and they're jealous. And they go, wow, you have something I want, and you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get that, whatever it is. And he says this about them. He says, you know what? And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Whoa. I mean, he, he puts it pretty straight there. It's like, you're not ready. And I don't know about you guys. If I'm going to, I want to be a follower of Christ... I want to put jealousy aside so that I can be ready. Because God has a plan for you guys. Do you guys believe that? He's saying, you know what? Follow my way. I have this path. Step here. Okay, then step there. Listen to my voice and do this. And if we don't, if we're just doing it for us, and I don't want to do this, I don't want to be like this, I want to dress like that, I want to have those possessions, well, then I'm sorry, then we're we're not ready. God's going, you're not ready yet. I I have this for you, but you're, you're stuck in this, and you want to be like this, you're not ready. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be ready. So I want to get rid of that jealous stuff. The other one is, is selfish wisdom. And I kind of define selfish wisdom as this. Uh, it, it's, it says that you are the priority. If you're selfish, right? If you have selfish wisdom, you are the main priority. It's me, 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 me. And I don't mind the consequences that it might cause to others. Um, I went to men's camp. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh. Who's got their men's? Who's got their men of hope cap right now? Anybody? No. Oh no, I was gonna, I was gonna wear it, but I was gonna, gonna brag about that. Um, it's an inside joke. Sorry. Um, but at men's camp, I was really convicted. John Wiley, Pastor John Wiley, um, you know, he preached it here too. He said, you know, put away your selfish ambition, put away your selfish desires, and. Um, he put it really simply at camp. That really just seriously, just like it was an arrow to my heart. And it's like, bing, there it was. And it hurt. It says, you know what? Someone who, who follows their selfish ambition, you know, who, who, someone that just follows, uh, it's all about themselves, about uh, they're the main priority. You know what they are? They're takers. They're consumers. And when he said that, I was like, oh, I don't want to be a taker. I don't want to be just a consumer. I want to be a giver. I want to be a producer. I want to be someone that gives, that has a generous heart. And that hit me to the core, seriously. And so the last night, um, if you've ever been to like any of our camps, we kind of like to do symbolic things. And Carl challenged us to write something on um, a piece of paper. And then he told us to make it into a shape of an airplane. It's men's camp, right? So we're throwing, throwing these paper airplanes around. And then um, at the end of the night, he said, you know what, throw it to the fire so that it's kind of a a symbolic act of burning it up. 
and just going, giving it to the Lord. And so one of the things I wrote on my paper was, God, I don't want to be a taker. I, I don't want to be someone that takes from my wife, that just, hey, where's my dinner? You know? No, you got to support my ministry. You know? And I was convicted about those things. And so I wrote that. I don't want to be a taker anymore. I want to be a giver. I want to be like you, Jesus Christ. I put that in the fire, and then Trevor, uh, our awesome worship leader, started playing um, The Wonderful Cross. How many of you guys know that song? The Wonderful Cross. Oh, The Wonderful Cross. And the most amazing thing, I was just closing my eyes. I was worshiping God. The thing was burning up, and it was just getting burnt up. And, and um, I, I just saw, you know, while he was singing, I just saw Jesus on the cross. You know, like, you know, you guys saw the passion? And he was just on the cross. He was bloody. He had the, the crown of thorns on his head. And the most weird, the weirdest thing happened. I was just closing my eyes. And I saw Jesus. You know, because normally you see Jesus on the cross in pain with his eyes closed or looking up to heaven or something. I saw a picture. And he opened his eyes and looked right at me. It freaked me out. I was like, whoa, this is heavy. Jesus just opened his eyes and looked at me. And I just had this overwhelming feeling of, I did this for you. I, I did this to set you free. More than that, I did this to set you free so that you can tell more people about me to set them free. And, and when I came away from that, the one thing I learned was, when I look at Jesus on the cross, I look at the primary example of a giver. Someone who gave to his very last breath to us. And as a follower of Christ, that's the example I have to follow. That's who I have to be. Are you guys with me? And it was this powerful moment where I'm like, you know what, God, yes, I'm glad. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm just, I don't want to be a taker anymore. I want to give to you. Um, and it says here, this is something interesting in James. It says, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. If we have selfish wisdom or jealous wisdom in our lives, it's kind of interesting here because James, if you guys recall, is he writing to non-Christians? No. He's writing to the, the, he's writing to the people, the Christians scattered across the earth. So he's, he's going, here, I'm, I'm in Jerusalem. I want to help you guys. I'm going to give you some wisdom. So he's writing to Christians and he's saying, you know what? If you have jealous, jealous, jealous ambition and selfish um, wisdom, you're covering up the truth. Um, another way to say that is you're, you're twisting and perverting the truth, right? You're, you're perverting it. You're, you're changing it into something that, that it's not. Um, and the one, one thing I, I realize is, because he's talking to Christians, is, is that there's people out there. Right? In ministry, I want to warn you guys, if you want to get into ministry, we, we need to put these aside so that it doesn't creep into our ministry. I mean, I have years of, of, of my best friends, seriously, some of my best, closest friends, people I surf with, some people I, I did ministry with, they ended up falling into a, a place where jealousy and, and selfish ambition was their goal. I mean, it was just, they wanted, it was all about them, and it, they fell. I mean, it was, it was hard. I mean, these are people that I loved, and I watched them not follow God's way. And I see them fall, and I've seen the people behind them that were following them fall as well. Um, and so 
I look at this and go, you know what? You're right. You're right, Paul, when he says, you're not ready. And one of the challenges, I know it's getting quiet now. It's like, oh. One of the challenges for us and for me and for you guys and for our church is that we should be ready. We should put those side, those things aside, the jealousy and the selfish ambition. You know what? God, I'm ready. It's not about me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come with all humility, and it's all for you, God. I want to make you famous and not me. Because, because if we're in ministry and doing it for ourselves, then I'm sorry. We're covering it up. We're covering up God's glory with us looking good. I mean, I was, I, I've been there. I, I've been, I, I used to play on worship teams and stuff. I remember in high school or in, in college, I used to play bass. And part of my motivation was to worship God. You know what my other motivation was? I want to look good. It's like, that's right. I got the bass face on. I got the leg on. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, I used to stand up there worshiping God, but going, there's a cute girl right there. How you doing? I didn't look at that, but in my brain, seriously, like, hey, hi. You know? Sorry, Tate. <laughs> you don't look like that. That's good. You don't do that. Um, but I had, I, seriously, I'm admitting to you guys, I had selfish ambition in my heart. And I had to put that away and go, it's not about me. Put me in the back, I'll play bass. Come on. Come on, let's do this. This is all about God. And the most... The most amazing thing is, I know we talk about Hillsong, and I hope you guys aren't t- uh, sick and tired of us talking about Hillsong, because I, I really feel akin to them. When I go to Hillsong, it feels like us. They feel like, they feel like uh, real people, and they're not perfect. That's the most amazing thing, but um, I've been reading this uh, magazine called Relevant. It's a Christian magazine, and one of the most amazing articles that I read was about Hillsong United. Hillsong United is their youth band, and they're famous because... They have five or six guys that have written some of the most popular songs that we sing. Um, Joel Houston is one of them. He wrote Aftermath and um, some other songs that he wrote, um, Solution. Um, some of the songs that we sing are some of the guys, uh, these guys have, have written. And um, this article is amazing because it tells about who they are and how they got there and what's their heart and what's their, um, what, what drives them. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read a little bit from this article. Um, and it says, there is a cultural condition very particular to Australia and New Zealand known as tall poppy syndrome. This is the social peer pressure to cut people down to size, to never let people brag, boast, or succeed in a way that seems too, I can't say this word, superfluous. I am so sorry. I don't know this word. It's, it's a great word. It's an awesome word. Supercilious. Super Supercilious. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> great achievements can be celebrated, but not too much. Okay. Sorry. Now, this is really interesting. So if you read this and you know about Hillsong, they're huge. They've got number one albums in Australia, number one albums in the U.S. They're worldwide. They have churches across the world. They are huge. They're humongous. And it says, oh, yeah, great achievements can be celebrated, but not too much. I'm going, whoa, these guys are doing some great things. They have a lot to brag about. And it goes on in the article, and it actually tells about all their accolades and stuff. And then it goes on, it says, all of this stands in contrast to Australia's tendency to put in their place anyone who is getting a bit too haughty. 
And it's this exact social tendency that United, um, Hillsong United creative director Joel Houston, the son, the son of Hillsong founders Brian and Bobby Houston, credits with keeping their ministry in check. Here's a quote. One of the greatest strengths is we live in Australia, Houston says. The culture here has been a blessing when it comes to keeping us grounded. Here's another quote from another guy. It says, There are definitely no divas or prima donnas, says Luke Webb, the band's tour manager. We cut down any tall poppies before they get too big. We don't have the best musicians. The way we grow is because we are all mates. We all know each other's faults, and we all know where we have come from. Don't you love that attitude? That there's no prima donnas. I look at Trevor. He's not a prima donna. He's here to worship our God. And that's our worship director. That's our worship pastor. And he has the same attitude. And for us, I look at these guys, they're ready. And God says, you're ready. I'm going to bless you guys. And that challenge to us is like, dude, are we ready? Let's get ready. Let's get ready to realize what God has for us, for us as a church. Um, whether we are going to be like Hillsong or not, we're going to be Hope Chapel. We're going to be who God made us to be, but we better be ready for it to happen. Amen? All right, cool. Um, let's keep going. And it says this in verse 17. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. This is amazing. Here we're talking about God's wisdom, right? He was opening up with the worldly wisdom, right? Jealousy and selfishness. But here, but the wisdom above is first of all pure. In other words, it's minus anything that I just talked about. All that boasting and all that. God's wisdom is pure. And above that, it's peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. I think this is a great list. And I was kind of going down. I was like looking at every single one. And like the first one, peace-loving. I thought about that. I was like thinking, what does that mean, peace-loving? It means that, you know what? You, your goal is peace rather than being right. Any husbands out there that love to be right? <laughs> You're not raising your hand. <laughs> For good reason. One of the, the um, you know, I was talking about my wife as a, as a good choice. And one of the first fights that Grace and I had, I remember this. Um, I just had this strong desire to be right. And we sat in my car for like an hour arguing about it. I don't even remember what we were arguing about. It was something really stupid, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, but this strong desire in my heart was, I just need to be right right now. I'm going to sit to my guns. I'm going to be right. And I don't remember what we argued about. I don't know what we said. You know what I remember? I just remember her being bummed, just sitting there like going, why are we even talking about this? Why has this gone so far where, yeah, yeah, you're right, okay. That's the thing I remember going, you know what? I, I think I'd rather choose peace. You know, I look back and go, I, I wish I chose peace instead of being right. And so that we would be, you know, God's wisdom is, is you know what? Let's, let's be, our goal is peace. Um, the next one is gentle at all times, right? Um, that we would be gentle when it's hard to be gentle. 
right? Think about the situations when, okay, it's good. Yeah, you're at church. It's easy to be gentle at church. You go home. Oh, boy. It's not so easy. I was with my nephew the other day, and I don't have kids yet. But um, my, my nephew kept on saying, because we had to watch him, he's just like, I'm bored. Five minutes later, I'm bored. Take me someplace. I'm bored. Okay? And don't you, like, just want to say, like, don't you hate it when you have a good line to say to somebody and you, don't, you can't use it? <laughs> I really want to tell this, my nephew, you're bored because you're boring. I just want to look him right in the face. You're bored because you're boring. Sorry. But I didn't because he sat on my lap, right? He sat on my lap. He's like, I'm bored. Let me, he's seven years old. He's like, I want to do something. I'm bored. And I was like, it's okay. You want to play soccer? No. Want to go to the store? No. I was like, I had to be gentle, you know, Um, be gentle at all times. Um, willing to yield to others. Here's, here's a kind of convicting thing. Willing to yield to others is ability, ability to let go of control. Ooh, I hit someone's heart right there. Ooh, yeah, ability to let go of control. It says, I'm not sure where it is. I'm sorry, I don't know where the scripture is. But it says, to make allowances for one another. If we're always trying to control, boom, 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 it's hard to, to compromise, right? And the Bible says, make allowances for one another. The, the wise choice is to go, let's make some room. Okay, yeah, here's, here's my ideas, and let's, let's do it. Let's compromise, you know, um, that you're willing to let go of control. Um, the other one is full of mercy and good deeds. I like this because it's, 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 it's a cool thing to go, you know what's a wise choice? Help out the poor. You know what's really wise? Go feed the guys uh, on Thanksgiving. That, that good deed should pour out of, of wisdom, going, you know what, that, that's a wise thing to do, to help my neighbor, to help my co-worker, um, to help them out. And it says, no favoritism and always be sincere. Um, and then it ends with this, and this is a great verse. It says, and, and those who are peacemakers, you're a peacemaker if you have God's wisdom. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So think about this. Picture this. I'm a peacemaker, which means I have God's wisdom, which means I'm listening to him. I know that, I, that my worldly wisdom is shoddy, that it's incomplete, that when I have God's wisdom, he has a bigger picture. He knows everything, all that. I put all that information, so then I make my choices. If I'm planting seeds of God's wisdom, the most amazing thing it says here is that I will reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, what does that mean, a harvest of righteousness? In other words, you can actually even say it in this way, a harvest of, of God's good things, right? Of God's right things, that you will, you, you will, you will reap godly things. Um, another way you can say it is, is you will harvest justice. Isn't that interesting? Because everything will be made right Right? All the injustices in your life will be made right. What are the things what are the things that the enemy has stolen from you? What are the injustices in your life that are in your life, right? Someone hurt you. Someone stole from you. 
You got, a, you got divorced. You're in a, a financial debt. There's injustices in our life that, that are happening. And God's going, you know what? If you just trust in me, if you listen to my wisdom, you'll reap a harvest of justice. He'll make the things that are not right in your life right. That makes sense to you guys? I think that's an amazing thing. I think that that's one of the main things that God wants to say to you this morning is that when we, when we make the right decisions, when we say, God, my wisdom is faulty. I need the wisdom outside of myself. I need your wisdom. I need your voice in my life. And the most awesome thing is, is, is what you're going to reap. You're going to be walking like our kapunas in our church. Yeah, like our Uncle Al's. Go, Uncle Al, he's so blessed. Seriously. I'm a little jealous. Uncle Al is awesome. My parents are awesome. I look at their lives. Oh, man. The blessings. I, I want to follow that. I, I look at that. There's proof. I want to be someone when I, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there. I want proof behind me. And my challenge to you guys, if you want proof, well, you know what? Plant a seed of, 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 of God's wisdom in your life. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to praise you, God, for everything that you've done and are doing, Lord. I pray that we would be a church that is ready for your call, ready for what you have for us. Um, that we put our, our selfish wisdom aside, our, our worldly wisdom aside, and kind of admit to you that we're not all that. We don't know everything. But the one thing we are certain of, that we are confident in, See you, Jesus. And I pray that we would just stand there humble and have a desire to make you famous in our lives and, and make you famous in, in the lives around us. Lord, give us wisdom, Lord. If any of us here lack wisdom, Lord, your promise is that you will give it to us, that you are a generous God. If anyone here is not putting their faith on, on the solid rock that you are, but putting their faith in sand, Lord Jesus. I pray that they would cry out to you right now and say, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, let you be the foundation of my life. Let you be the rock, Lord. Let everything stem from that. That you would guard my heart and from, from the, the wellsprings of my heart will come goodness and righteousness and justice. Lord, today I just proclaim for those who are crying out to you right now that they will reap a harvest of righteousness. That they would see the proof in their lives, Lord. I also want to pray for anyone right now that has never made a decision to call Jesus their Savior or their Lord. You've never said a prayer to Jesus that I believe what you did on the cross for me. That I believe that you rose again from the grave three days later. And that you did it for me. If you've never said that to Jesus, I want to encourage you to say that prayer right now. And in that moment, you'll be called a Christian. You'll be called born again. And in that moment, you'll become a child of God. But if you want to say that prayer... 
I want you to tell me that you're going to be praying with me just really easily. I want to count to three. And all I have to do is just raise your hand. And I'm going to say a prayer with you. So here we go. On a count of three. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Does anybody want Jesus Christ this morning? We got one. Anybody else? Just raise your hand real high. Right, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now and I, I make you my Lord and my Savior. I believe what you did on the cross for me. You died for me. You gave your life for me. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, become my King, my Savior, my friend. I give you my life. Thank you for making me your child right now. I praise you and I love you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom.